Welcome to Massage Therapy Now. My name is Damien John. I am your host today. Today my guest is Brian Fulton, who lives out in the Ontario spectrum, the province of Ontario. And welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you very, very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Passions, hobbies, work, all those types of things? Uh-huh. Uh, well, I'm a massage therapist. I've been practicing for about 20 years. I got um, certified in 1999 in Ontario, and I've been working in Ontario all that time. Um, I did uh, have some experience serving both uh, locally um, as far as... Uh, directorship uh, with local chapters and then at the Ontario level I was a director there for one term as well too Um, so I have had a bit of experience around the profession Um, I also had the fortune of writing fairly early in my career for a local magazine a monthly health column so that got me into the business of writing which you know some of that writing experience probably led me down the road to eventually writing a book right and uh, it was just a tremendous sort of interest um, in this particular topic that got me writing about the placebo effect. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll jump into the book uh, a little further along the way, but let's contextualize it a little bit because trying to figure out where placebo lands in manual therapy land and the topic or the key phrase, the catchphrase that's really popular these days is biopsychosocial can you break it down in your own, in your own words and and explain its importance to manual therapists? This idea of biopsychosocial. Um, you know, like of course it's a nice big word, right? And it's <laughs> and yep. that's great. It's but it's also nice to be able, as you say, break things down so they actually make sense. And if if I want to sort of make what biopsychosocial uh, means to the average therapist, it honestly just comes down to client centered uh, care. It comes down to treating the person as opposed to treating the condition. So, mm-hmm. you know, instead of treating med- medial epicondylitis or instead of treating a headache or treating, you know, a tendonitis or whatever, you are treating the person. And the, the concept of biopsychosocial model is that the biology is still extremely important, but there is a social component and there's a psychological component that we know. There's lots and lots of studies that will tell us that these factor into. Um, uh, our treatment in a fairly substantial way to the point where, you know, I think the average therapist going to school like myself 20 years ago was thinking it was, you know, mostly biology. Right. And now it, it's, it looks like the psychological and the social components are quite a bit, uh, quite a bit more substantial than we ever considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're dynamic. They're changing all the time with any given client and they, and they change from client to client. So with one, one client might come into your, your space and in that case you know the biology is 80 percent but it could be with the next client that biology is more like you know 50 percent or or 60 percent and these are not numbers you can really get a a hard handle on. i think you get a sense and a feel for them looking at the studies so given that there's a really heavy onus on the biology and certainly when i went to school it was the same thing and i was in school in the early 2000s it, it felt like there was a real push towards knowing technique and working with the body in a particular way and and like you say dealing with certain issues medial epicondylitis and those types of things how much work do you think is needed to pull the psychological the emotional the social aspects onto an equal footing are they are we there already do we need to do more work and do they have a rightful place there because there are 
out in the world of massage therapy, people who are proponents and people who are detractors who don't think that's a very important space to be working in. What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, it's a massive topic, and I think it's pretty hard. To, and, and honestly, a, a portion of this gets out of my area. <laughs> yeah, sure. But what, what I would say is that, um, first off, we all have to stay within our scope of practice. So, I mean, there are certain things within the social component and the psychological component that just simply start to fall outside of our scope mm-hmm. of practice. We can, we can suggest we might refer. If we see a client who's depressed, you know, or whatever, I mean, there's only so much that we can do. We, but we can certainly give feedback and... And lots of things that I discuss in the book certainly touch on psychological and social things that are within our, hopefully within our scope. Um, so, you know, the first thing is, of course, scope of practice. And the second thing is, of course, education. Um, you know, if you're not educated on a topic, um, then you really can't really help someone else in that area. So, um, you know, as you say, yours and my education is largely... Um, the manual therapy and the biological component. I, I did get a, a course, and you probably did in school as well too, and forget what they t- called it, human, I forget, something or another. But, you know, it was, it was a, a someone who came in who was a therapist and would talk to us about the, the interpersonal skills. And really what this comes down to a lot is honestly just comes down to interpersonal skills. If you develop good interpersonal skills, you can help people mm-hmm. a lot. Agreed. Yeah, and the education piece is, is really important if you find that you're lacking in some area, having the wherewithal to acknowledge that and then to go account for it by taking some extra education is always a good uh, road to follow. So, Yes, and of course, I think there's some onus on schools. Yeah. You know, we're, we're sort of getting into a subject here, sort of I'm not used to <laughs> speaking on, but if, if we're talking about trying to, you know, promote the biopsychosocial model, then um, I would say there's an onus on schools to do more education um, in, in a broader context than they have. Yeah, I agree. Past. I think it is moving in that direction. I've talked to a number of people who work more in the education field than I or than I ever have, and it sounds like there's a good push towards that. So, yeah, both of us follow outside of that area of expertise in our own personal lives, but it sounds, yeah, it sounds like it's moving in that direction. So that's a positive. Now, the main reason you're on today is you've published a book, The Placebo Effect in Manual Therapy, Improving Clinical Outcomes. Uh, Obviously, you have a huge passion for the idea of placebo. Um, can you explain to us, starting from a more base explanation of what placebo is through to wherever you want to go with that explanation and, and why it's important to manual therapy? Um, I got interested in this, uh, you know, about 10 years ago or so. And and honestly, it's just like many people at point, one point, you know, placebo was just a word. I didn't really know what on earth is this? You know, is it some mysterious thing? What is it? And so, I, you know, I wrote a, a column on it for the magazine that I was writing for at the time. And then, you know, as I started to gather more information and I picked up a few books um, and got, you know, more and more interested in it. And I actually took a course, um, soft tissue release with Stuart Taws. And, you know, the first two hours he spent were just entirely not about the technique, but about you and your relationship with the client. And I was really blown away that that's that he felt it was that important that the first two hours of talking were, were entirely on that. 
And he never used the word placebo at all, but um, I could pretty much tell from the reading that I had done and the information I gathered is like, you know, he was talking about the same sort of thing I was very, very interested in, which now honestly is not all that different than the psychological and the social components of the psychosocial model. So, um, but at that point I didn't really hear biopsychosocial being discussed so much. and the word placebo just sounded kind of interesting, mysterious, and I dug in deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Um, and I wrote one, read one book that was written by Howard Brody, and it was called The Placebo Response. And it was written really more for the patient than for the, the, the doctor um, about how to sort of get the most out of your own healing capacity um, and everything from your relationship with your healthcare provider to things that you can do for yourself. So he, he made it like non-secretive um, and he made it sort of understandable. And, and, and I sort of started to use a bit of that book eventually, you know, a few years later as, as a bit of a framework for me to be able to write my book. Um, and so I like the idea that instead of the placebo, which um, I, part of the reason for the title is it does sound a little bit mysterious. Everything about uh-huh. placebo sort of sounds a little bit mysterious. And as it turns out, once I tried to under, tried to get research uh, to be able to g- gather evidence around this topic, um, you can you can do searches under contextual effects. You can do searches in you know I'm talking about right. med searches here um, in the medical library, um, uh, and these are, these terms are medical subject heading. When you're when you're using you're trying to do a search, you use do use a medical subject heading. And you can use terms like non-specific effects to search, but in fact, if you look at placebo effects, you f- you find like a dramatic amount more information and, and way more research because the placebo effect has been studied almost by default for about sixty years, pretty much since uh, you know it has become the standard by which um, uh, you have to use if you're going to bring a drug to to uh, to market. So the placebo effect was sort of studied by default um, earlier on, and then. Came to be studied in earnest. Um, now, nowadays, honestly, I don't really care whether people use the term placebo effect or like the term, um, because if someone wants to use the term contextual, they say, "Well, I, I would rather talk about contextual effects or expectations or um, non-specific effects um, or or." let's say the, the psychosocial component of a treatment. These are all valid terms right. and they're mostly all talking about the same thing. So um, so in some ways I would suggest that, that a listener or you or anyone not get too hung up on the term placebo effect because in no way do I suggest in the book or do I promote the idea that we should be doing treatments that are non-efficacious um, or that we should be handing out pills or doing anything that we know is a placebo. Um, it's just that we need to know that a whole host of the way that we present information, the way we present ourselves, the way that we behave and that we interact with our clients, the listening that we do, the explanations that we give, these all have um, effects and they have in the past been termed placebo effects, um, but you will also hear the tone term, as I say, contextual effects. Um, they all can affect outcomes and we all want to be better therapists. Um, and furthermore, you know, it's been, it's been well understood uh, that the placebo effect has comes into play in every medical treatment. So it doesn't matter whether you're getting Reiki or if you're getting surgery, um, there's a placebo effect. And it looks like the more powerful the symbol is, the more powerful that placebo effect is. So there was a book came out, you know, within the last year and a half or so by Ian Harris called Surgery, The Ultimate Placebo. And he takes a good hard look at surgery there. Um, and, you know, one thing we know for sure is that 
because the more powerful symbol, surgery is literally the ultimate placebo. There's a massive amount of preparation and theater, and people's belief system is is highly entrenched. So um, it turns out, you know, there's a whole host of surgeries that have been done in the past. It turns out when they actually are put to double-blind trials, it turns out they're not right. eff- nearly as efficacious as they thought they were. So they've had to reevaluate a whole host of surgeries, whether we're talking about, you know, um, knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, um, even some milder cardiac surgeries. Um, so it's uh, it's an interesting topic. So if a therapist decides that he or she is going to ignore the placebo effect, I'd say you do that at your peril because you do it uh-huh. at the risk of triggering a nocebo effect, you know, which is the exact opposite. You're getting a negative reaction. And I would suggest that everything that we do is on a continuum. Every, every word that you say to someone, everything that we do has a... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. That's my phone. I'm going to make that stop. That's okay. (laughs) Um, So everything we do um, is sort of on a spectrum of, let's say, from nocebo to placebo. So um, you can sort of say, well, you know, I think it's a bunch of hooky, this nonsense, this placebo effect. Uh, Well, you you can ignore it at the risk of maybe having negative effects because you are not optimizing your treatments. Right. And so a couple of really interesting things come out in what you were just saying. The So the placebo effect itself is placebo slash nocebo effect, because I think they work in conjunction with each other based on what you're saying. If you're being aware or not being aware of the idea that your interactions with your client affect your treatment positively or negatively, uh, so the treatment starts the minute you meet with the person, the minute you make contact, and it doesn't end until they leave. Essentially, yeah. And 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 just to touch on that, it, it can even it can even begin before you make contact because uh, depending on what sort of clinical environment that you that you're working in, as soon as they walk into the building, as soon as they walk in the right. door, um, how they're treated or greeted, or the smells that they pick up or whatever. There's, there's mm-hmm. all these are all ritual cues. But yeah, carry on. Yeah. And yeah, and so I mean, there's so much, there's so much in that uh, coming from a lot. A lot of what I've done in my life is based on uh, being aware of diversity and cultural differences and things like that. And so, like you're saying, as they enter into a space, um, you might have optimal placebo or good effects for certain clients, and maybe not for other clients. So that's a whole other, a whole other space to jump into perhaps but the 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 thing that really stood out as you were talking was this idea of symbol and i'd like you to like dive into that a little bit more because um the social power of of particular spaces affects placebo is what you're saying so surgery being a really powerful symbol socially would make it a more impactful placebo yeah the the effect um in the patient or client's mind um, is for example, uh, if 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 you go into a doctor's office and he's kind of wearing his old jeans and uh, you know and it kind of looks like things are a little bit disheveled and disorganized versus if you walk into a well organized medical office and uh, the guy's wearing a white coat he's you know he's he or she is well manicured I mean in some sense. First off, you are, the, I, I sort of believe that in some ways you are a placebo of sorts, um, only in uh-huh. the sense that, you know, you are a walking symbol. The more professional you are, uh, the more knowledgeable you are, 
the more competent you appear, the stronger placebo effect you will have. Uh, and the other thing too is, I mean, we talk about this, the other thing we're talking about is, you know, when does this begin? Well, in some ways it even begins long before the patient even arrives at your office because there's this unimportant uh, component of placebo effect is previous conditioning. So you and I am sure have experienced where someone comes into your office and they already are primed for to get benefit out of your treatment because they've seen another sure. therapist, another massage therapist, and they've had positive effects from massage therapy. So guess what? They're already con positively conditioned, but pe people can also be negatively conditioned as well too. And mm -hmm. there's a whole host of things that you need to do to try and uh, counter against that negative uh, conditioning as well too. Um, but yeah, basically one way, uh, there's so many aspects to the placebo effect, but one of them is to sort of look at, you know, um, the power of the symbol, because that's when someone is given a placebo pill, it is just really a symbol, uh, you know, you're being given the, this pill with the idea, you know, that it will do something. So um, one right. of the definitions, uh, Howard Brody's definitions, once again, talks about the importance of the symbol uh, of the placebo or placebo effect. So it sounds like there's a way to optimize placebo. Let's unpack it a little bit in terms of manual therapy. If you were to say, like, take your own office and optimize it for a maximum placebo, what would be some steps you would take? This might be a long answer, but I'm, I'm curious. Well, um, what I would say is this, I mean, on the whole, in the past, massage therapists have probably aired on this, I shouldn't say air, but we've, we've tended to be on the side of, uh, of being very relaxed, comfortable places. And sometimes there may have even been, you know, scents, candles burning or, or whatever. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I would say if you're, uh, if you're going for maximum placebo effect, then you're going to want your office to be, uh, you want to have, uh, you might have charts on the walls. You might have, um, you know, um, uh, models that, where you can explain um, things to people as far as anatomy is concerned. Things like, believe it or not, like machines, like ultrasound machines or laser machines, these sorts of things do seem to wow people and they have a placebo effect as well too. You're seen as, as being more competent in that respect. Um, but there's just um, a ritual as well too. Um, if I'll see if I can probably give you a, a, a quote or two here. It's probably sure. something that would be... Uh, perhaps relevant at this time. Ted Kapchup is the director of the Institute for Placebo Studies at Harvard University. And he has to talk, talks about this um, fairly directly. The placebo effect is the positive benefit people receive when they're on placebo treatment. The problem with that definition is that it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. How can we, how can something that has no effect have an effect if it is an inert substance? Um, an inert substance can't have an effect. I would say a placebo not only hides real treatment, but hides the art of medicine, the caring for a patient. So the placebo is about the attention, the eye gaze, the warmth, the compassion, the confidence of a physician of the physician in the doctor-patient relationship. Right. I would say that the placebo is about the symbols of medicine, like the diploma on the wall, the prescription pad, the stethoscope. I would say the placebo is about routine rituals, the procedures of medicine, waiting in the doctor's office, talking, disrobing, being examined, putting your clothes back on, getting a diagnosis, and then being prescribed pills, injections, or procedures. Ultimately, I think the placebo 
effect is about imagination, hope, and trust in the clinical encounter. Now, that's all not directly relevant to manual therapy, but a lot of it obviously translates across. Mm-hmm. Um, so hope you get a sense there that words like ritual suddenly are, are not scary words. When you talk about ritual, it's the, the conditioning and expectation. Sure. That a, that a client or patient might have walking into your office. And you can see how your own professionality, how some of the ritual uh, appears to play into the placebo effect. Yeah, it seems to me like placebo is very specific to the individual coming in your door. Yes, you, I mean, there, there's no formula that we can spit out because this, because we're talking about, once again, psychosocial. Um, everybody's got a has their own quirks and and there's a lot of contradictions within the placebo effect like when i sort of discuss i i I usually cover about 30 different psychosocial triggers and things that people need to look at and examine in their in their practice and their daily uh, um, daily treatments and some of these things people say well that seems contradictory to the other one well yes uh number one yeah that humans are complex and you know what works for patient a does not always work for patient b so you do have to tailor it to the individual mm-hmm. and we all get very good at that i don't know about you but i worked in a spa for a short period of time and uh you had to get you know you you meet your client and they're disrobing you're meeting them for the very first time and they're disrobing you know and and all this interview takes place over the course of about two minutes or so and you have to really get uh, very good at reading people who can you kid around with who do you have to be more serious mm-hmm. with you know whatever and so you know we all are get pretty good at reading people and you know certainly to maximize placebo effect you have to be able to read your client if you're speaking to someone in highly technical language and they think in terms of energy then uh you know this just like you sound like uh you know like the parents on, on charlie brown uh, uh peanuts uh cartoon. Right. And by the same token, if someone's um, is an is uh, an engineer and you're speaking to that engineer on energy terms, you know he's he or she is going to just discount what you're saying. So you know we all have to meet our client where they are. So um, explanation is another one of these very important aspects of the placebo effect. Um, you need to explain things, meet your client. Yeah, where they meeting are. your client where they are, and also having the capacity to know where you as a therapist. Are capable of, of speaking uh, so that you could if we're talking just placebo here and maximizing its effects uh, there would be some clients out in the world I know for a fact for myself there would be a number of them where I would be incapable of creating a comfortable space for them it's it happened not a lot but it happened over the course of the 10 years that I worked and and so having yeah. the ability to recognize that and say hey maybe there's a better a better therapist for you out there versus pushing through the 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 space and and creating an uncomfortable scenario for both your you and your patient oh yeah i mean once again my 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 time in the spa world i learned lots of lessons an interesting time there but i had clients where uh, they would meet you and they had no idea they had not been warned that you were going to be a male and they would just yeah. turn and run. Uh, it was deer, deer in the headlights. Uh, I had clients who got on the table and they were fully clothed for a for a massage. You know, it might have been a half hour or uh, or or three quarter or one hour treatment, and you could not push it. I mean, you're just working through the clothing all that time because they were not going to be comfortable. And and so yeah, you certainly have to, as you say, meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Your book obviously hits on 
so many things that we'll miss today. Let's speak to some of the broader topics in the book. What, how many pages? I think it's 200 plus pages, yeah? Uh, geez, I, you know, I don't have the book in front of me. I think it's around 250. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's chunky. It's chunky. Uh, yeah. It's got about 300 uh, citations, references in it. Yeah. Sure. And so could you break it down a little bit for the people who are interested in, in picking it up? How is it broken down so that people have an uh, idea of what they would be purchasing? The book is basically divided into two parts. And the first part um, is more theoretical. And a lot of what I've read on the placebo effect um, is theoretical. And that's great. But I am a very practically minded person. So I made sure that the second half of the book was all, you know, where the rubber heat hits the road sort of thing, you know, where the mm. hand, hands meet the skin. What do you actually do? And so the first part, I mean, I find that still very, very interesting. I, I talk about the history of the placebo and belief systems, and I and I sort of uh, discuss and hopefully uh, convince the reader that the placebo effect is real, um, that it's not just subjective changes, but there's objective changes um, that happen. Um, I look at uh, some of the criticisms of the placebo effect. I look at some of the ethics surrounding the placebo effect. So hopefully by the time, if one reads the book in order, which I think is not important, but if you choose to do that, then by the end of the first half of the book, you sort of say, okay, this, this effect is real, it's substantial, it's happening in every medical treatment, um, and there's some very objective changes that, that come from it. How can I implement so the second half, uh, I discuss those 30-odd sort of uh, triggers and say, okay, here's something. And, and it might be expectation. It might be conditioning. It might be your explanation. It might be listening. There's a whole host of things. Every one of these, I sort of walk through it, provide a bit of evidence, and say, here's how you can apply it in your practice. So uh, I think this, I, I like to think the second half of the book is, is eminently uh, um, practical. And there is a little sort of tale on the book, too, that the third section, which when I researched this topic, as you know, when you're on the internet, you're always finding things. And, and this book was really fun to write because I went down lots of avenues I didn't expect to go down. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the information I gathered was not necessarily something uh, that was relevant or that I would include in the, in the book, but it was really interesting stuff. So the, the third part is just of the book is just like sort of my thoughts on the future of, of medicine and some other idle thoughts, but it's not, uh, not necessarily highly um, important to read. It's just sort of my my editor said said yeah we'd like to see that so cool. so it got included. When did the book get published? Uh, it got published by in 2015, and I was very very fortunate. Um, when I had gotten the book together, I wasn't even certain when I was writing it that it would ever be published. But I just pursued it because that's what people do. It's apparently what writers do. Huh. And so you know, so I wrote the book and and. Um, Leon Chetow, one of the, uh, he was always sort of a hero to me. He, I had sort of been following him on Facebook and he had written a, you know, an editorial book, Placebo Effect. And, and so I just chimed in and said, you know, by the way, I've just written a, you know, a book on this topic. Um, and, uh, I was looking for some input or feedback from him. He says, well, you know what, you might want to talk to my publisher, which was Handspring Publishing. And so uh, I spoke to them and they were very, very interested. And after a bit of a process, which is involved every time you have to you want to write a book to have submitted submission process um, they said yeah we're interested and uh, so uh, and then Leon wrote uh, a forward to the book so really I mean my first choice for a forward writer was 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 accepted my first choice uh, for a publisher was accepted so I was really, really yeah, fortunate. No um, it was probably about a year for me to bring it to, to the 
to to market uh, before um, you know from sort of presenting it, the idea to them till it finally got paid, published, which was in October two thousand and fifteen. So it came out in two thousand and fifteen, and just so people know. It, the cost is less than the cost of what you charge for a one hour treatment. So uh, people sometimes are shocked. They say, oh my goodness, you know, how can that be worth that much money? It's like, well, what do you charge for a treatment? So I think the book is around $60 Canadian right, right. now. It kind of varies depending on the U.S. dollar. Where do people pick it up if they're keen on it? Uh, Amazon is the easiest way to, 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 to get a hold of the book. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's also available as an ebook as well. So just for those like listening in their brains in the moment, the placebo effect in manual therapy, improving clinical outcomes, and it's Brian Fulton. That's that's the correct title. Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I bounce. I know the, the the editor and I bounced the idea of the title back and forth between one another for about a month and a half before we finally got it pinned right. down because we're trying not we're trying to cover the topic but not make it too long and it's like. And she would she would send me something and I'd send her something back and finally we said okay I can live with that what <laughs> maybe we just I think we just wore one another down <laughs> yeah yeah I, I I've had similar things trying to develop logos or it seems like it should be a simple process and then it's it's not <laughs> yeah yeah um that sounds like a book I'm not being biased or anything here because Brian and I don't know each other it sounds like a book that I would have really love to have read when I started out and and just to get a sensibility around how to optimize interaction with my clients and problem solve some of the areas that that I didn't maybe didn't have the the knowledge to problem solve uh, it just sounds like a really solid exploration of, of that even even if we take the word placebo out of it the second part in particular sounds like it's, it's really useful that way. Yeah, I hope it is, yeah, but I can't speak to that. I, uh, without, right. Uh, with what has your feedback been like on, on the book? Well, in terms of uh, some emails that I've gotten um, and people who contact me personally, that's, that's positive feedback. Um, then there's this thing called social. Have you ever heard of social media? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> And, and there people say all sorts of things, you know, and, yes. uh, and, and, uh, and I have to admit, you know, that as a human being, I haven't met many people that like criticism. I don't know how you like criticism. You know, it's really nice to sort of, sort of say, oh, I just, you know, I separate myself from my feelings and my, sure. people, but it's, uh, and some people like it, it's a generational thing. I hate to say this. I'm going to sound like an old fart now, but like, you know, Within my generation, I like to think that if people had a criticism about something, they would go about it constructively and not just not just uh, attack, if you, if you right. will. So, um, you know, I've had I've had some comments that were were not, I say, helpful. I guess that's the best way of putting it. Um, and you know, and there's I. I definitely am 100% in favor of evidence-based medicine and mm -hmm. in and in critical thinking. But it seems that some of the persons who identify self-identify in that community, I'd say really lack tact. They uh, yeah. and and it's not even me. I can watch how they go after other stuff like on certain Facebook groups. I'm just amazed how people on, and 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 you can't say anything because if you do say anything, you're saying, "Oh no." Like so it's like I just stay out of it. So it's the hey. the uh, so 
I've had positive feedback, but I've had criticisms within social media. And, and, and I think a lot of those are probably valid as well too. Like, you know, like it's, um, but I don't know what to tell you. They, uh, I think there's, if, if you're working in the theater or whatnot, I think people just stop reading the reviews after a while so, uh, and you just yeah. believe in yourself. But the trouble with not reading reviews is that a, you're not open to criticism and B, you're not really open to how you can change and, and improve things. You know, I would like to think that the book is, a, and it is because of seminars, it, it's a work in progress. I've changed how I present information hmm. um, and organize information. Um, and some of that, of course, based on feedback. Well, you did step into an arena that is, probably highly controversial anyways so the, the whole the whole yeah. positive versus negative feedback piece i mean yeah it, it does suck to get negative feedback and i think the idea of of placebo effects is always probably going to have a certain amount of controversy to it and and so with the current state of affairs and the attacking like you said um yeah, I, I feel for for authors who explore such topics because it it is it's impossible to get away from those those critical aspects of it. But it's a good segue into my next thought. Let's say I'm a full on skeptic. Um, how do you convince me that placebo is something real or something useful? Uh, it's a good question. Um, well, what I have noticed this amongst among persons that are the most skeptical, there does not seem to be much of a debate at all around the nocebo effects. Like one of the presentations I do is called Words Matter, and it's largely looking at the, the trying to avoid the nocebo effect, trying to not step in the mud, trying not to trigger negative uh, 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 fear reactions from your clients, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So even amongst the hardest of skeptics, there doesn't seem to be... Uh, from what I can understand, and you know, and I, and I, and I follow uh, lots of these groups in social media reasonably closely, there doesn't seem to be any sort of criticism of the idea of trying to avoid the nocebo triggers. So I cannot, I've not yet to manage to understand why the same the same people who believe that we can make things worse by what we say, they don't believe we can make things better by what we say or what we do or how we behave and. I'm afraid I don't understand that, so I would, I, I would invite open discussion with any person who is critical um, and have them understand it. And in the end, what I usually find is that it's just words, it's labels, it's semantics. Right. They believe in contextual effects, they believe in non-specific effects, they believe in the, the the psychosocial component of the biopsychosocial model. They just don't believe in placebo effects. And I think it's just the word. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think, you know, honestly. That that makes total sense. I, I have not encountered it with the word placebo, but I've definitely encountered it with with other words. Would you take that word out of a future book title or would you still use it? It's a good question. Like, I, I think that, like, you know, for example, when I was writing the book, it seemed like maybe a fringe topic. And by the time the book got published, then the biopsychosocial model was getting a lot more recognition. Uh -huh. And, and, and as I say, I was, and, uh, to you earlier, I was, I was invited to speak at the BC conference on the topic on the biopsychosocial model. And I was glad to see that finally you know, this thing that is, instead of being an outlier, these observations um, and conclusions that I've made were, were acceptable and are sort of part of, part of current thinking. So I was glad to see it accepted. So would I change the title? Well, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, Probably I would, perhaps, um, but as I say, I defend the title in the sense that my publisher asked me the same thing around the time 
um, that we were, you know, going to write the book and we were deciding the title. On it. And and it's because, as I say, it's because of my PubMed searches, right. the word placebo effect came up way more than way more than than contextual effects or non-specific effects or uh, psychosocial component. So, um, but if you're writing, you know, first off, I wouldn't write the identical book again. But uh, if I was writing a different book that would have a different spin, then yeah, it would probably be more biopsychosocial. Mm. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it is a bit of a catch or a trick question because uh, often, as an I'm an artist, and often I would go back and completely change pieces of work that I've <laughs> that I've worked on, you know, yeah. five years ago because you get more information and you you know more things and and that kind of stuff. But um, I the the other thing I would say as well too is like in all in all honesty. I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I am I, in my life. I have been a bit of a shit disturber, and I don't mind the fact that placebo is sort of yeah, uh, right. uh, controversial, or that it stirs, uh, you know, conversation around things that uh-huh. it sort of mess stirs up the pot. I don't mind that that happens. I think it's, you know, I think it's completely necessary to improve things, to have these discussions, to have debates that are open and honest and thoughtful, and and explore these ideas that have been with us for decades maybe even centuries and and to really unpack them and figure them out and see where the gems lie in terms of how we do different types of medicine and therapy and and other things and so yeah and in order for that to happen we need people like (laughs) yourself diving deep into the into the subject matter and if i can while we're on this topic, I'll just, once again, I kind of like, and I have a bunch of quotes sure, here sure, throughout yeah. the book, but, you know, a few of them here, you know, Arthur Shapiro, uh, who's an MD, um, the history of medical treatment until relatively recently was the history of the placebo. I mean, if you look at what's, you know, bloodletting was done for thousands mm-hmm. of years and, and every physician would support the idea that, oh yeah, I bled this patient and they got better. And there was all these anecdotal stories and, you know, a uh, compendium of uh, sort of everything that the 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 potions and the cures that uh people would use i forget the name for that specific book but it was a massive book and it, and it kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller as you know as we moved to evidence-based medicine so um that's that's an interesting thing there's another fun quote here from uh, uh dr blau he says the doctor who fails to have a placebo effect on his patients should become a pathologist you know he's basically saying once again it's coming into play uh-huh. in every treatment so uh, if if, if, if you don't know how to manage it, then uh, then maybe you shouldn't be dealing with people. Yeah, and that brings up some of the ethics of let's go beyond the skepticism. Let's say placebo and nocebo yeah. are real. And uh, I mean, I'm in the boat that that whatever you're calling it, th- these effects have have efficacy on our, our clients, on our patients. And so there's an ethical there's lots of ethical dilemmas in there. One of the main ones I see being, and it is related to treatment styles, at least as I've thought about it throughout the couple of weeks I've been preparing to interview, interview you. One of the main ones being you're a real charismatic human and you do a particular style of treatment that if we look at it from a biology's perspective, shouldn't shouldn't work let's say and i'm not going to pick on any particular types of therapy but there are clients who will see these individuals and come out and say this is the best therapist i've ever seen i feel way better than usual 
tap, 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 da. And uh, in my brain, there's always been an ethical dilemma there because the the treatment styling is not ethical in and of itself. And so is that person using the placebo effect to their career benefit and actually harming the client? What are your thoughts on that? It's a good question. Um, and, um, and it, I'm sort of <laughs> cautious with sure. trying to decide how to answer. Yeah. It's a, answer I mean, it's a, con- it's a shit disturbing um, question. Like you said, <laughs> Like when I when I'm asked around the placebo effect in terms of the ethics, uh, I would say like most of what I looked into, and I, as I say, there's about 30 different triggers that I have found, and it could be that someone's just decided to exploit a few triggers and and exploit sure. being the, the operative word. Um, you know, for example, you know, um, client expectation is a big deal. Um, it turns out that if you charge more for a treatment, uh, that it tends to more for a drug, more for whatever, that it has a more powerful placebo effect. Um, if you get people doing an exercise more regularly, taking a drug more regularly, coming into you, your office more regularly, that has a stronger placebo effect. So those are all things that you can see are, are open to exploitation. But guess what? I mean, your own professionality is also um, a trigger. Your The degree to which you explain what's going on is a trigger. Uh, there's a whole host of things like being a good listener. Um, and so there's, there's lots of things that uh, I would say that are, are run not not open to exploitation but uh for those things that are open yeah uh to me when i ask the question about ethics i says it just simply comes down to whether or not you are an ethical uh health practitioner or not because we all Mm -hmm. have a code of ethics from our college in which we're expected to behave and if you're following that code of ethics um then um you're not going to then that's going to guide you, right? I mean, take a look at the US of A right now, and we've got a certain person who's in charge there, and it, and it seems like you know the, there's a little problem with the, the ethics and whatnot, and uh, you know, and all the laws they could try to put in place aren't really going to help if someone's not sort of morally or ethically guided. So, it, it's really hard trying sure. to rein in individuals or people who who just simply mm-hmm. are not ethical. Uh, that maybe not answered your question. No, it's a good answer, answer to a hard question in terms of, yeah, I mean, who's going to abuse, who's going to abuse maybe unconsciously these type of systems will likely be a, a person who doesn't have a high ethical standard. And just to be clear, I wouldn't say that this is the norm. Like I haven't seen therapists or I don't go around thinking that therapist X or treatment style X is the worst and everybody who works within that styling is uh, not ethical human. It's just I can think of a few spaces and times and individuals over the course of when I was doing manual therapy that that the ethics of what we're calling today placebo were really not that good and it was problematic for me because I, I do have a high moral standard and a high ethical standard, I think, most of the time. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not a necessarily solvable question. It's just a curiosity more than anything. And, yeah, I think you answered it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> but something that's tangential that's to that topic is that, I mean, I think that, you know, as a massage therapists, um, we are <clears> – <throat> excuse me – we're sort of on the fringe of, of 
mainstream healthcare. And we're always trying extra hard to sort of be accepted and to, to be uh, legitimate. And that's all very, very good. Um, but um, for example, if you look at mainstream uh, medical practice, uh, there was one paper that came out and, and they looked at, uh, they were surveying internists and rheumatologists to see you know, if they reported prescribing placebo treatments. On, and it turns out that half of them said, yeah, they, they prescribe placebos on a regular basis. That's not something that as a massage therapist or as a, as a physiotherapist or whatever chiropractor that we would consider ethical or responsible. And yet they're saying, yeah, we, about half of us do it, you know, um, on a regular basis. Um, one paper actually has a deception, you know, these are research papers that were, or published papers in journals and basically has a deception <laughs> flowchart in terms of as a, as a decision maker. You know, when do you deceive the client? When do you not? I mean, that's, that's not a part of the model under which you and I operate or, or think. Um, in 2007, the American Medical Association put out a position statement on it and they basically said this, you know, <clears throat> physicians may use placebos for diagnosis or treatment only if the patient is informed and agrees to its use. <coughs> Excuse me. The physician need neither identify the placebo nor seek huh. consent before its administration. In this way, the physician respects the patient's autonomy and fosters a trusting relationship while the patient still may benefit from the placebo effect. A placebo may not be given merely to mollify a difficult patient because doing so serves the convenience of the physician more than it promotes the patient's welfare. Physicians can avoid using placebo yet produce a placebo-like effect through the skillful use of reassurance and encouragement. In this way, the physician builds respect, trust, and promotes the patient-physician relationship and improves health outcomes. I mean, about the uh -huh. only thing, a part of that that I would agree with is the last sentence where they are doing what I am suggesting and, you know, I think what, and what 99% of people in our profession are suggesting is, yeah, we're not trying to deceive people. We're not trying to do treatments that are not efficacious, um, but we're trying to maximize placebo mm -hmm. effects. Reminds me of that cartoon, or I saw a cartoon once where some massage therapist was using the back of a clicky pen on the back of somebody and saying it was a new, <laughs> it was a new, new treatment style. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Active, active yeah. yeah, Awesome, Brian. Anything that's really shining through that we didn't touch on in our forty-five minutes? I mean, it's a really short stint of hitting on a big topic but anything that's really standing out in terms of placebo or and nocebo that we haven't hit on today that you'd like people to think about know about well some of the things i think i'd maybe just like to hit on some of those uh the things that i would sort of say are essential triggers that, that people can read more on in yeah let's do that they, they, they can research um and that is you know first off one of the things that i hit on is trust i mean the, the whole foundation and we heard that in the most recent quote that i did uh, gave you from the american medical association everything about the practitioner patient relationship is based on trust and anything that you do that builds trust will uh, improve placebo effects anything that undermines that trust will 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 um work against developing any sort of placebo effects um expectation and conditioning are probably the two biggest things under which the placebo effect was first studied. And, and we found that even in, in animals, you can produce placebo effects in animals uh, simply by using conditioning. You can raise an animal's blood pressure you can, um, and you can suppress their uh, immune system simply by using, even by using something that should do, do the, have the exact opposite effect. But if you train them based on a bell or a scent, um, you can get even get placebo effects from animals. So it's once, a, once again, would suggest that, yeah, if animals are having placebo effects, there's a pretty good chance humans mm -hmm. are having them. 
Um, su suggestion comes into play, the client's belief system, their own sense of hope, um, their, as I mentioned, their previous conditioning, their desire and their motivation are both uh, important, and those are different topics. Desire is more of an internal thing, whereas motivation is something more like the, the carrot uh, that can be presented um, outside of the person. Um, listening is extremely important. Uh, component of the placebo effect and it's an active process that uh, as therapists that we're involved in it's not a passive process we need to be involved in echoing mm -hmm. back um, we also listen with our hands as well as with our ears a care and concern is massive simply just e expressing and being genuinely concerned has a strong placebo effect uh, control is an is an another interesting topic and and more than anything it has to do with shifting locus of control to the to the client giving them more autonomy it's a, it, this is a sort of a uh, a tenement of modern uh, medicine and modern medical thinking but it's also important aspect of the placebo effect as well too um, and under the topic of control um, you know the client um, needs to feel like they're getting some control over their own situation and there's some irony in that because sometimes their their, their control can uh, be given up to a service provider where it's, it's just right, that right, exploitation right. thing you talked about earlier but it can also be control that sort of they might just have a belief in a god or a belief in the universe in things going because i mean there's only so many things you can actually control in life at some point you have to be able to give up control and sometimes people will give up mm -hmm. some control to, to us um, anxiety is an important aspect so anything we do to reduce anxiety is gonna going to help the placebo effect um, giving an adequate and thorough explanation is is important. Um, people's narrative is also extremely important, and we hear their narrative um, when they're on the table for an hour. So, if someone sees himself as a victim in their own uh, in their own life story, we can sometimes give positive feedback um, so that they see themselves. We all need to become the hero in our own story, and if we uh, sometimes you can change your whole life simply by changing your inner narrative. And we're not psychotherapists, sure. but we're listening and we're giving feedback to people. Um, touch is an important aspect of the placebo effect, but I, with massage therapists, I don't usually need to talk about that. Um, other health professionals, it might be something I might be talking about. Certainty, anything that we can do to move our client off of defense. If they're sitting and hedging, um, they're creating a lot of cognitive dissonance with their own uncertainty. So anything that we can do to move them off the fence uh, will help with their compliance and with the placebo effect. Um, time is a factor, but once again, not so much in our profession. Uh, treatments that are about uh, 12 minutes or less, uh, it looks like it's very, you know, with medical, I would have lots to say to doctors, let's say, about uh, trying to manage time. But for us, fortunately, we have uh -huh. uh, fifth, typically half hour or more. So we, have, we don't, that's not as big of an issue. Branding is under 12 minutes. Under 12 minutes is means you don't get a placebo. Uh, you get less placebo effects. You see more malpractice, um, and uh, oh, wow. people sort of come out feeling less satisfied. So it, it looks like um, time is is a component of the placebo effect. Yes, huh. people feeling like I think they've been listened to. I guess there's a whole host of things there with the, sure. with the shorter time frames, or. Um, branding is important so if you know if you have let's say ART or if you have some sort of a certification post-grad certification that seems to have a placebo effect uh, there's a novelty and newness factor when new drugs are brought out they're way more effective than than years later um, <coughs> excuse me um, and so likewise if you've just been to a conference and you've learned a new technique or you've got a new approach then uh, people uh, sometimes will get a stronger placebo effect from that
Ritual is important, and I've sort of talked about what ritual um, there under Ted Kapchuk's um, definition of ritual. Um, that's important as well, too. Compliance is important. Um, the more that they can comply with their remedial exercises and whatnot, the, the stronger placebo effect you'll see. Frequency is, a, is another thing. So um, although not just the frequency that they see, but the frequency with which they perform their remedial exercises or in, partake in any ritual that you or uh, home, uh, home care that you suggest, that's going to improve outcomes. Um, clinical environment, we've talked a little bit about professionality, making your clinical environment more professional. And then finally, you know, there is your own persona. Um, so looking at it in the way that perhaps you are sort of a placebo or your symbol. And um, so we see there your own professionalism, your own belief system, your confidence, uh, your how they perceive your competence, how you dress, your attire, the enthusiasm that you project. These are all um, important aspects of of you as the placebo. And then finally, which uh, last thing I sort of touch on here too, which we touched on earlier, is avoiding nocebo language triggers. And that's huge. We really need to try to, if even if we don't want to do much to try and promote placebo effect, we, at the very least, we need to avoid the, the, tr the nocebo mm -hmm. triggers. Yeah, I mean, everything you just mentioned on that list is really, really important and hits on being highly ethical. And and also it's on a number of things that I think our profession is moving towards in terms of addressing some of the main issues that have come up over time. As you hit on that last one, the nocebo language triggers and figuring that out and, and bringing it into your clinic space and making sure you're addressing those things. I, I would say that in that brief, it's not a brief list, I think there's you probably hit on all of these things in your book quite extensively as if you're a new therapist or a person who's working newly with people in a very intimate fashion, every single one of those seems to me to be highly important to address and to not mince, to not do in a haphazard way. Because at the end of the day, every person is precious cargo. Every individual has a life and is beautiful and, you know, we can wax poetic on all of it, but every human that comes in front of us is, is really important to somebody. And, and so we can't. And, and in fact, we are, I, I, I sincerely believe that it's important that you, as a therapist, that you recognize that you're mm -hmm. on, that, that someone has let you into this intimate space in their life to be able to touch them and, and affect them in a, in a, in a very, very personal yeah. way. Um, and I think it's, it's important to sort of view that in a, in a sacred and honorable kind of way. Sure. It's really important work. And so these things account for that in a, in a strong, strong way, I think. So I totally, I got tons of information out of what you were talking about today, Brian. I think anybody who wants to learn more can can they contact you as well is there a space that they can contact you uh it's a good question i i don't do the best job of marketing myself <laughs> so good um uh -huh. but 
Um, there is, a, first off, there's a Facebook group, and I think it's called Understanding Placebo Effects in Manual Therapy. Uh, okay. But if, if, you, if you're on Facebook and you type, you know, Placebo Effects Manual Therapy, uh, it, it will come up. And that group is about 1,500 strong. Uh, it's not a highly active group uh, in terms of fighting, which is good. Um, people are pretty uh, well-behaved there. Um, but basically, I, as stuff comes through my news feed, newer stuff on, that, that's been published and researched on Placebo Effect. I'll put that in there, um, and people will bring other information in there as well too. So it's one place to a to ask questions and b to you can look through all the uh, the group files and research and look at stuff that's been brought in in past years. Um, I do have a website which is FultonMassageTherapy.com. It's my last name F U L T O N MassageTherapy.com, and I do have a, a section there for practitioners. Um, so people can click on that and can learn a little bit more about placebo effect and some of the articles that I've written are in there. Um, um, and other ways, I am going to be speaking at National Health pra- Natural Health Practitioners Conference next month in uh, Calgary, Alberta. So I'm going to be there for a weekend presenting on this topic. Nice. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the ways to get a hold of me. Great. Uh, really appreciate it, Brian. I'm jazzed about lots of the stuff we talked about hopefully the listeners out there are too and thanks so much for coming today really appreciate it well thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it yeah have a good one all the best damien take care bye for now